How's it going out there, fam? We are back with another episode of Pop Muse, the pop music trivia show of your favorite stars. And if it's your first time joining us, we are all over the internet looking for lesser known facts about some of the legends, big names, megastars, or what I always say, some cool cats from the international and national stage to fill you in on. And by the end of the episode, let's see if you know as much as you think you know about some of these big icons in the world of music. I'm TJ Reed, and I'm in the studio with Mr. Liu Yan. What is going on, man? <laughs> I'm always looking forward to the session because <laughs> one thing we're both huge music fans. Yes, sir. And the second thing is I look forward to the fact that I can nail it, and then you will fail to <laughs> stump me one more time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, rest assured, today I feel that you will definitely. Get the person that I have to present for everyone today. Really special musician worldwide, and actually, upon doing the research, I learned that this person is even on a much more grander scale than I had ever imagined. Just a really, really amazing musician, and I can't wait to just let everyone know this person's、uh, work and how they do what they do.、Mm-hmm. So yeah, looking forward to、uh, putting. The, and, and my artist is a Chinese musician. Well, that, that's always cool because usually you do the Western artist. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, what about you, man? Who you got for us today? Well, my artist is relatively new. She、oh, hasn't been that popular like、oh. five years ago, but now <laughs> red flag for me. Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay,、yes. she's everywhere. Okay, that that's encouraging. All right, so she's everywhere, and I guess you don't want to drop kind of genre music. Okay, all right. Oh, well, it. it's not that I don't want to drop the genres. It's that she is all over the place. She does pop. She does rap. She does、okay. R and B. She does soul. She does everything. Oh wow! Okay, so ooh, okay, that makes me feel like I should at least know this person's name. All right, cool. Well, that's amazing. And for all of our listeners out there, I hope that you guys can well at least follow along and hopefully guess who this person is by say fact number two or three. But I guess we'll find out. And this is a perfect time to drop our disclaimer about the show. All of our facts are found online. Everything's internet based, so there is a possibility that some of these facts may be outdated, possibly a little bit erroneous. So, for our listeners out there, if you want to fact check us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you, and hopefully, we can update that onto the next episode. So now, Mr. Liu, I'm going to let you have the honors of going first today. Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's get started. All right. So this singer is quite young. Like I mentioned, she hasn't been around that long. All right. She was born in October 1995. So、oh, technically, wow. she's, she's a not baby. Okay. She's not even 27 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And she was born in Los Angeles, California.、Hmm. So you're also from California. Oh man, you, you're gonna drop that on me like that, right? Oh, she's from your state. Okay, <laughs> so you better get her right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So both her parents are artists. So no wonder she's also、cool. an artist. And her mother is a graphic designer.、Mm. But then there's also some sources that say her mother is a. 
painter. Okay. So I haven't heard herself confirm or deny otherwise. All right. So let's just say her mother is a graphic designer slash painter. All right. And her father is a South African performer of Zulu descent. Ooh. Okay. Right from,、mm-hmm. from the Zulus. All right. And she had a very sporty childhood, and often skateboarding and visiting Malibu for surf camps. Okay, so she's into surfing, skateboarding,、hmm, drawing. A, sounds a lot like an artist we've done already. But okay, all right, let's let's keep going. <laughs> but anyway, so these clues are from Wikipedia and Billboard. All right, just to make things clear. And besides sports, she also danced a lot. Okay. So she said that as a mixed race child, that's a huge clue.、Mm-hmm. She experienced harsh racism. And that's why she lacked interest in school, and she grew fond of dancing.、Mm. So that's where she first started dancing because she was in she was not interested in school, and she could do a lot of different genres. So when it comes to dancing, she's also versatile.、Um, she could do Indian classical dance, break dance, tap,、uh, jazz. You said Indian classical dance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Among other genres, and she joined a professional pop locking troupe and competed in dance battles throughout Los Angeles while still attending high school. What? Oh man! Yeah,、Jeez. that's according to Dazed. It's a website on culture, music, and that kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I'm still kind of drawing a blank here, but I feel like you just gave me a really decent clue, but I just can't quite figure it out. <laughs> okay. Well, if you already have a feeling that you've got some decent clues, then I think you're doing pretty well. Because if I didn't do research, I would have no clue who she is、hmm. by this time yet. Okay. But the next clue, it could be something. So her aunt is a vocal coach. Mm. She gave her singing lessons to help her audition for a performing arts high school in Los Angeles. All right, and that's how she started singing. And she said she realized in eleventh grade that singing and performing was all she cared about.、Mm. And she eventually dropped out of high school、oh. at age sixteen. Another high school dropout. We just did a musician who dropped out of high school. And、uh, okay, all right. <laughs> And also, she attributes this to her struggles with ADHD. So,、mm. dropping out school is not just necessarily for the music dream. It's also for the fact that she has ADHD, and then school probably isn't for her. I'm so, okay. And most people who are diagnosed with ADHD sometimes they're given certain medications that quote slow them down a little bit. That way they can focus. And maybe I'm, I'm not sure if this artist took any of these. Like medications that did that, but it sounds like maybe she took her energy and put it into something that was more, I guess, constructive for her. Yeah, which is、uh, kind of cool. And you mentioned she's a mixed race、uh, musician, and everyone glorifies having being of two, you know, being biracial. And I think that that's interesting. But I think when you're in this person's shoe, it is it can be quite. Uh, stressful, and it's like because、uh, I, I have sisters who are biracial, and sometimes you don't feel completely accepted from both people.、Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit、uh, can be a really uh, difficult uh, time, especially when you're growing up. Okay, so biracial, she dances really well. She does some breaking, which I think is also really cool. And、uh, you mentioned that,、uh, and she dropped out of high school at sixteen. Okay,、right. and the above information, like ADHD. And all that stuff that was from Vogue and Rolling Stone. All right. 
And then I think the next one is probably even more revealing. clear. Yeah, revealing. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so she released her debut EP in August 2014. So that was like eight years ago. It was described as spacey Eastern-influenced R&B by The Fader magazine. And even though the first single was later featured on the popular TV show Empire, we mentioned that、mm. last time around, she did not receive much attention at all. The EP was considered a flop. She would stop releasing music for a while because. She、uh, considered that a creative limbo due to her record labels、mm. not promoting her stuff. Yeah, yeah, I could see how that would be really frustrating. I mean, as, as I think as artists, you're always trying to battle what's really you and what the industry and your record label wants. So yeah, I, I could see that why that would be an issue. Yeah, imp- again, we we talked about Empire, and I I didn't make it off the first episode. Actually, I think I watched a couple of episodes, but it was just really tough for me to watch. So I don't know if I would know her music from there. Mm. Mm. <laughs> okay, but I have to say I agree with this Rolling Stone write up because her debut EP did not make any splashes at all. That's why I didn't mention the name because、mm. even if I did, it wouldn't help you. At all, <laughs> <laughs> okay. it's not because it was too famous. That's why I withheld it. It、okay. was just because nobody ever heard of it. Okay. And it's a similar story for her debut album in March 2018. It was largely uneventful, ignored by critics, and failed to chart in any market.、Mm. She said it was rushed to meet deadlines from the record labels, as they didn't care. And paid her no support whatsoever. Oh wow, that that doesn't feel good to be rejected、uh, from from that. Now, I mean, they, if you sign a contract, they should. I mean, they have services they need to provide, and part of that is to market and promote exactly you know, the album. So, yeah, that that sounds. And I think your hands are kind of tied as a musician. What you could do. To market your product as well, so yeah, it doesn't sound like a good relationship, right? And then just think of the date—that's March 2018. So it's already relatively yeah, like four years to now. Yeah. yeah, it was four years from her first EP, so that's that's a long wait, and still,、uh, still, it didn't do anything.、Yeah. That's why I said she was relatively new, but she's now everywhere finally.、Okay. <laughs> and things finally started to look up in August 2018 when she self-published a song called. Moo, called what? Moo, like the sound a cow makes. Yes, well,、okay. alongside its music video, <laughs> and the song was quite gimmicky. Obviously, as you guessed, it had、um, talked about cows and stuff, and it would qualify as、That、a so-called. That sounds so weird. Sorry. <laughs> it would qualify as a so-called novelty song. That's what I'm thinking too, because I don't think there's anyone that has made a song titled Moo.、Mm-hmm. So I think that just. Because it's different, it's going to get some attention, and I'm not <laughs> sure if that's why. I'm not sure if she devised that the whole time, but okay. I'm just wondering how it sounded. How did it do? Well, according to Rolling Stone and Insider, it went viral online, attracting over three million views. The music video on YouTube in one week. So the record labels. Had to realize that she was a marketable force,、mm. so I guess she did that in order to prove to the record labels that you know she was actually a marketable artist, and they should have you know allocated more resources on her and made a greater effort promoting her stuff. That's、mm. why she did that, and、okay. it worked. All right. 
Mm-hmm. Still don't know who that is. I haven't heard any song called <laughs> Moo, so, and I'm not sure if I would listen to a song titled Moo. <laughs> like, what? Really? Okay. Next. Okay, next. She hit the big time with her second album. So, like I said, her first album didn't make any splashes, but she hit the big time with the second one. It was released in November 2019. Mm. So, that was only like more yeah. than two years ago. Right. And eventually peaked at number nine on Billboard 200. Okay. It spawned a huge hit, and I think that's the clue where uh, most fans would guess. So, as far as this hit is concerned, I have several facts that can help you guess who she is. Okay. The first fact is, it was a top five single initially by herself, but later she did a remix version Mm. with Nicki Minaj on it. Okay. And it became a number one. Hmm. Nicki Minaj, huh? (laughs) And this was a number one both for her and for Nicki Minaj. Okay. So uh, that's a huge clue. <laughs> I don't listen to a lot of Nicki Minaj either. Oh, oh okay. man, I, mean, I know who she is, but um, man, I don't, I don't follow her music so much. Her and Cardi, Cardi B, B, yeah, yeah they're, they're, you know, they're, they're a bit explicit for me. Yeah. Okay, but, then, uh, then in that case, I guess the next fact wouldn't be too helpful. The next fact would be Nicki was her biggest influence. So this song was almost like a dream come true. Mm. So she got to collaborate with her favorite artist slash idol slash someone she wants to emulate. And it became a number one song. Okay. And the third fact about the song is that this song's popularity had a lot to do with TikTok. Okay. So initially it wasn't all that popular, but someone obviously made some funny videos using the song as the background music and mm-hmm. then it just went viral so tiktok had a lot to do with the song going viral yeah a lot of things go viral i mean i feel like if you're a musician if you are an influencer if anybody trying to be somebody in media you kind of need tiktok so that's uh that's a pretty good strategy as well Hmm. <laughs> no, no, no worries. And I must sound like a dinosaur to my, our listeners out there because I don't have TikTok either. And I'm just, man, okay. So I, <laughs> I missed that wave. Well, no worries because I, I don't use TikTok either. Mm. So um, the next one, the next fact about the song is this was the most streamed song of 2020 by a female artist okay. in the United States. The most streamed song, huh? Hmm. So that's quite a big achievement. Yeah, I would I would say so. <laughs> <sighs> okay. That's the most meta reference right there. <laughs> you just reveal the name of her popular song. Uh that's what what did I say? You said I would say so. Okay, yeah. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so all those uh, facts about the song came from Forbes and Billboard. Okay. So you still have no idea? No, I have Even I'm though still... you uttered the sentence, I would say so? Yeah. Oh my God, that's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> no, I have no idea. Okay, okay, okay. Then try this next one. It's also very musical, this, this next fact. Since she blew up on the charts, she has been everywhere, like I said. And similar to Nicki Minaj, she seems to have collaborated with everyone in the business. The Weeknd, Lil Wayne, Tyga, City Girls, Sia, BB Rexa, Ariana Grande, Sweetie, Little Nas X, just to name a few. Okay. So can you think of someone who has collaborated with all of these artists? 
I feel like Cardi B has uh, collaborated with a lot of these people, but uh, this person. Cardi B has never like... collaborated with Ariana Grande. Ah, okay, okay. Ah, you said she's biracial, <laughs> huh? Uh, oh, this is so difficult. Oh, it's not difficult at all. Okay, try this what one. What about her style? Her style is uh, she dances, because um, I know Cardi and Minaj are a bit mm, promiscuous in the way that they dress and the way that they dance. I mean, is she somewhere along these lines, or is she quite conservative? Oh, she's not conservative at all. Like I said, her biggest influence is Nicki Minaj, so she herself, um, when it comes to genres, especially like mixing pop and rap she's also very uh, similar to Nicki Minaj and then of course Nicki Minaj talks about you know what in her songs all the time yeah. and so does she oh man okay well um, is that okay was... okay how about this one okay. so <laughs> the most memorable collaborations she has done is probably with SZA okay and I say it's one of the most memorable collaborations because it's not only a top three Billboard 100 singles chart hit, it also won her the only Grammy Award so far. Mm. She's got 11 nominations, but she only has one actual Grammy. Okay. And that's thanks to this particular song that she did with SZA. It won the Best Pop Duel Performance category. Okay. Well, that sounds like a really, really good hint, but unfortunately, I still have no idea. <laughs> so, have no idea. so I'm just going to wing it. I have. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure if uh, it's right. Probably isn't. But I mean, it's a name that I have, and if she's somewhere along the lines of um, Nicki Minaj and Cardi B, then there's another name that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really sure if it's this person. Okay, so is just, she biracial then first? I I again I haven't looked into her background to uh to know. Okay. She might not be, but uh I'm not sure. <sighs> okay then. Hit is, me with your name. Let me ask you a question. Does her name have any reference to any animals? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, that that narrows it down to two people, so it's still fifty. Oh, that's a very good one. I I deliberately withheld that one because it's just too easy. But then you asked that, then I figured you're very close. Okay. So then, if I was to choose out of the two people that comes to mind, mm-hmm. the one that looks the most biracial, mm. I would say Doja Cat. Yes, correct. Congratulations. <laughs> It is Doja Cat. <laughs> wow. Okay. So man. who's the other one that you have? I was in gonna mind? say Megan the Stallion. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> but to me, the Stallion is also animal. Right. Horse. Exactly. So that's why I, w- I wasn't sure if it was one of the two or not. And I was, but uh, Megan, I don't think she's biracial. So no, she's just black. Okay. All right. So that's that was my uh, my assumption too. So. Oh. <laughs> that's what's up. Well, impressive. You keep saying I have no idea. I have no idea, and then you came up with the right answer. <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's Doja Cat, award-winning rapper, singer, and music producer, who is known for creating music videos and songs that go viral on social media. So which tracks from her really resonate with you? Because I mean, I don't think I can recall too many of her songs. I just remember seeing some of her music videos. I mean, mm. I guess because she's really she's really hot. She's nice to, to watch. I remember watching some of her videos, but I can't say that I any of the songs connect with me so much that I can sing it. Okay. 
Well, I would have to say, say so. Say so. Okay. <laughs> that's that's why when you said I would say so, I look at you and I thought you did that on purpose. No. Nope. And then you obviously didn't. So that's why I said, oh, that's the that's got to be the most meta reference ever. Nice. All right. So that's the first track you got for us. Say so. All yes. right. And, and the other track I have picked out for us is in your eyes. In it's your a, eyes. it's a remix version she did with the weekend. It's very old school R and B, and it's very like '90s that kind of feel. So right. if you're into that era, then this song will definitely be right up your alley. That's what's up. All right, well let's hear it.
So that was in your eyes. The remix version. It was by The Weeknd and Doja Cat. Yeah, yeah, The Weeknd. I could hear it. It was.、Um, they kind of have a really, you know, that they're kind of the kings of electronic music these days. And so, yeah, it's got a really nice beat to it, and it's got a nice melody. And of course, to me, The Weeknd reminds me a little bit of Michael Jackson. You know,、oh. the way that they,、uh, you know, they the, sing. The, the hiccup thing. Yeah, yeah, it's so Michael Jackson. Right, right. I have to say that was the first time I heard the song "Say So," and I liked it. It had this. Kind of retro '70s sound to it, and、um, the music video wasn't that bad to look at either. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I had the same reaction as well. When I first heard it, I thought, "Oh, 
this is very retro, and I dig it.、Mm. And especially, it it's got that disco feel. Yeah, like you can just imagine yourself like being in a disco、right. and looking some hot people dance. Yeah, so yeah, it's a nice、yeah. picture for sure. And it's it's kind of cool when um you can when this artist can kind of switch it up and have this really soft and feminine voice, and then all of a sudden she just starts rapping,、mm. and the rap was kind of caught me off guard. But it's um it's nice. That's, yeah, that's what's up. Okay, so that was Doja Cat. That was my artist. What about you? Yeah. All right. So for me today, again, this artist struck a chord with me、mm. when I heard his music on a soundtrack. Yeah, it was it was magical, and I I'll, I'll stop there because I feel like I don't want to spill too much information at this moment. <laughs> okay, but um, why don't we get right into it? I'm gonna go ahead and start with fact number one. Okay, and this is according to Chinoy. This is a Chinese Filipino media platform, and I got some of my sources from Wikipedia as well. This artist came from a musical family.、Uh, his、uh, mother was a singer, and his father was an instrumentalist.、Uh-huh. And、um, his father、uh, was a professor as well. He started playing several instruments、mm. and、um, began performing at the age of four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah. So this this guy's clearly a child prodigy. He started playing music when he was three and started performing a year and a half later. So. I'm not sure how I. I feel like as a kid, it sounds amazing because you know this is something that's a little outside of our world.、Mm-hmm. But I can also feel a little bit of the pressure that perhaps his parents might have pushed him. I mean, from a. I mean, this before he could walk, he was probably you know. Had like an instrument in front of him, like、mm. learn to play, learn to play, and so I think that's one side of being a musician that a lot of us don't really see. We see the the end result, but I think the the process of being that might have been really, really、uh, strenuous and tough.、Mm. But I guess it all comes down to himself. If he really loves music as well, then. Even with the pushing,、um, he wouldn't mind. But if he's not made for that kind of thing,、mm-hmm. no matter how hard his parents try to push all these instruments in front of him and try to make him a music artist, he just wouldn't choose that route. You know, I would. I want to agree with you on that point. But then I look at MJ, Michael Jackson,、oh, okay. and he laments about his childhood. A lot, and he's even made songs about it. And it's just unfortunate that he he regrets a lot of his childhood, even though it's clear that he's put here for music. I mean,、mm. you know, considering what he's done and the milestones he's crossed. But yeah, I think sometimes it can go a little overboard, and it can leave lasting impressions. But anyway, we're gonna go ahead and move on here. In 1963, okay, this is a time reference.、Mm. <laughs> Mr. Liu's face frowned up like, "Whoa." <laughs> He was about eight years old, and he performed on an American program. It was introduced by Leonard Bernstein, and at that time, he was a renowned composer, conductor, and instrumentalist as well. So, this was—I mean, at eight years old, this guy's performing on programs. He also performed the Sonata of Sammartini, if I'm pronouncing that right, on a another TV show called The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. A year later,、mm-hmm. so these are some some pretty old shows. Uh, he attended high school in New York, and he graduated at the age of fifteen. 
to me, that means a lot because in the in the U.S., when we graduate from high school, we graduate at 18 years old. And mm. if you graduate any earlier than that, in most cases, it's like you were taking honors classes. You were super smart. You were like beyond everyone else. So, yeah, this guy graduated at the age of 15. 16 is amazing, but I've never heard of 15. So I was really so, um, impressed by that. Mm. He studied at the Juilliard School of Music, but he dropped out. Which was kind of interesting. A lot of musical greats went to Juilliard School of Music, but he ended up dropping out and he got into Harvard. Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And he performed at the Marlboro Music Festival for a few summers. And I just kind of smirked when I saw this title. I'm like, wow, cigarettes are promoting music. <laughs> They're really trying to get into the psyche of these young people. Like, really? Uh, but anyway, that's that's a separate point. Um, and I, it was during these festivals where he met the love of his life and he got married at a relatively young age. So, yeah, this is kind of the uh, the start of this musician. We're going to keep it moving with fact number two. And this is according to the BBC, uh, the Medium and, of course, Wikipedia. And this might be a big clue here. I'm not sure, but I'm just going to go ahead with it anyway. He developed scoliosis in his 20s. Mm. And for those who are not familiar with scoliosis, this is where there is sometimes a, and it's different for different people, but there's a, a rotating or twisting of the spine. And uh, sometimes your hips or your waist or your shoulders are uneven. Mm. There's obviously back pain. And some, some people even lean when they stand. And sometimes one shoulder will be more prominent than the other. So he had this condition in his 20s. And it was something that, you know, caused him a lot of pain. He didn't want to go through with the surgery because he felt that it would compromise his music career but he ended up doing it and i think after the procedure he had to wear like an upper body cast mm. for quite some time so yeah i'm not sure that that might have been a clue that mr leo knows because he's no. like looking up in the air like hmm. no idea <laughs> no idea you're doing very great all right let's keep it going he collaborated with italian composer and Forgive me if I pronounce this wrong because Italian names are such a challenge. Ennio Morricone to do a few soundtracks for The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which is mm. a very famous American Western. Uh, Once Upon a Time in America, The Untouchables, and quite a few others. And he did another notable soundtrack to Memoirs of a Geisha. Oh. This is a really famous... Um, Zhang Ziyi. Yeah, famous film as well. So, yeah, and it just keeps on going. In 2010, President Barack Obama recognized this artist with the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and he received that a year later in 2011. He was in Carlos Santana's epic album, Guitar Heaven, which showcased the greatest guitar classics of all time, and he collaborated with him in a song titled While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Uh. <laughs> not sure if that gave it away or not but that is a classic song and i love carlos santana's music so anyway we're gonna we're gonna keep on going this is fact number three and this is according to wikipedia although he considers it his worst epithet ever he was tagged in 2011 as the sexiest classical musician by People Magazine. Mm. So this is a, um, <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. He didn't like this title. His paternal ancestry could be traced back 18 generations to the year 1217. Wow. And his DNA research revealed 
that he is a distant relative of Eva Longoria. <laughs> Just to, you know. That's neither mix, here nor there. I know, mix you up a little bit. <laughs> okay. Now, for those that are, I, this is an actress, right? Yeah, she was Desperate part of Housewives. The Desperate Housewives. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. All right. And moving on here, he has had multiple media appearances. He appeared in the American children TV show Arthur and also The Simpsons as animated versions of himself. And I guess the actor Hank Azaria voiced him. And also, he's appeared in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Mr. Rogers. Yes, But yeah, I it am. was a kind of a cheesy children's show, but I mean, really popular. Uh, he was in The West Wing and Sesame Street. So he's had some appearances for a lot of these kids' programs. In addition, he's appeared as a guest and performer on several shows, such as The Colbert Report in 2008 and NPR's Tiny Desk Concerts in August 2018. So that was relatively recent. Um, I'm not sure if I'm striking a chord here with uh, Liu Yan, but let's <laughs> let's keep it going. Fact number four. This is according to Wikipedia, and this might be the fact that gives it away, but that's all right. Well, that's that's what this show is all about. This artist established the Silk Road, not of course the real Silk Road, but instead of goods a trade of knowledge between artists from around the world who create music that engages in many traditions. This was the Silk Road that he put together, the Silk Road Ensemble. Mm-hmm. And with this program, he's continued with his endeavor to expand the classical music uh, repertoire, performing lesser known music of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So he partners with communities and institutions from Chicago to Guangzhou to uh, I guess to develop programs that champion culture's power to transform lives and to to connect the world. He's also the artistic director of the annual Youth Music Culture Guangdong Festival. He's a UN messenger of peace and the first artist ever appointed to the World Economic Forum's Board of Trustees. Mm. So this guy's really high profile. And I was just reading about this person's life and I was like, how did I not know about this guy? This guy is incredible. During the COVID period, he um, during his post-vaccination, he played a surprise concert uh, for a clinic in Massachusetts. He played Ave Maria mm. and the prelude to Bach's cello suite number one. So he played about 15 minutes after receiving his shot. So this was uh, kind of something he coined as songs of comfort for people mm. during that time frame. And um, I think from fact number four, I think Mr. Liu is on board now. I think he kind of knows <laughs> who I'm talking about. If he does it, then <laughs> he'll definitely get it after fact number five, which is where we're at now. And this is, of course, again, by Chinoy and Wikipedia. This artist grew up in Paris and he is an American. He started with the violin and then the piano and then later the viola. But at the age of four, he settled on the cello. And I guess he joked that his first choice was the double bass because of the size. Mm. But he eventually compromised and, you know, stuck with the cello for his career. He owns five of them, notably two European ones from the 18th century. And one is valued at about $2.5 million. It's pretty incredible. And I thought something else really notable about this guy was he performed with a lot of U.S. presidents. And not just presidents, but just uh, world leaders. And uh, he's performed for nine American presidents at the age of five. This child prodigy performed for President Dwight D. Eisenhower. At the age of seven, he performed for John F. Kennedy. 
And recently he performed at President Biden's inauguration, which mm-hmm. I thought was really cool. And he performed at um, many press events for um, Apple Incorporated and Pixar CEO Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's no stranger to this circle. And I and I also read that he performed for uh, Ronald Reagan as well and his wife. So, yeah, an amazing musician. And um, I have to say that it was when I watched Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, okay. That was the soundtrack for me that when I heard that, the music, and I was just like, I was blown away. And I, that was the first, I guess you could say, Chinese album or Chinese focused music that I owned and I listened to it and even before I started taking Tai Chi because mm. eventually I was I was listening to that music while I was practicing and I was just like oh man this is this is this is awesome so yeah I think uh, Mr. Liu is definitely on board with who this person is but why don't I turn the turn it to you <laughs> and just why don't okay why don't you tell me what gave it away for you okay um I think when you first mentioned that Barack Obama awarded him the Presidential Medal yeah. or something like that, yeah, I think I got it. <laughs> and then you also mentioned the Silk Road. Yeah. That nailed it for me. Yeah, the Silk Road Ensemble, yeah. right? <laughs> and if you had mentioned Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon... At the beginning. At the beginning, I would have gotten it <laughs> exactly. right away. That's... <laughs> that album put so many people on the map, not just him, mm. for people who are not familiar with Tandu. classical music or, yeah, Chinese movie music or that kind of thing. That album also put um, Coco Lee, Coco Lee yeah, on the map for a lot of Western audiences in general. Yeah, yeah, I remember her voice. And at the beginning of this program, I, d- I couldn't remember her name, but... When I when I heard her voice, I was like, "Oh, that's that's the person that sang on that you know soundtrack." So, yeah, epic soundtrack, epic musicians. I would say that uh, this artist's surname is an animal. Ah, a horse. Correct. Right? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, my yo yo or yo yo ma. Mm, all right. Well, I don't think we need to hear what the judges had to say about that. It's pretty straightforward. Yo-Yo Ma is an American Paris-born Chinese cellist. By age 30, he was widely regarded as one of the world's finest classical cellists, both on stage and in the studio. He then branched out to bluegrass, tango, jazz, and other genres, and also projects with filmmakers, artists, and designers. He's recorded more than 90 albums and has received over 18 Grammy Awards. And I got a couple of tracks that I would like to share for our listeners out there. First up, I got a song that I've referenced earlier in the discussion with Carlos Santana, with the vocals India Ari, and of course Yo-Yo Ma on the cello, titled While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And that will be followed by A Love Before Time, featuring Coco Lee from the Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon soundtrack. Yeah, I think these are great picks. Personally, I like the Santana track a little bit more. (laughs) But before we get to those tracks, we're going to go ahead and call it for this episode. Mr. Liu, thank you so much again for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And for those of you listeners out there, be sure to tune in next time for another episode of Pop Muse. I'm TJ Reed. I'm Liu Yan. Take it easy, folks. We'll see you next time. Peace.
know.